2: Happy Black Friday. Hope you get all the deals your little hearts desire. Will I be out and about shopping today? No. Will I be going home to take a nap after the show? Yes. <laughs> Will I instead be eating leftover turkey and passing out in my recliner? Wait for it. You betcha. But we appreciate you making us part of your holiday weekend. Hope everyone had a tremendous turkey day yesterday. Hope you have even a better weekend. What well, we got lined up for you on this Black Friday edition of RP Three and Company? We got a treat for you. Former Dukes of Hazard slash Smallville slash to have and have nots slash country music star. John Schneider will be joining us for an interview. We're going to talk about his illustrious career. We're going to talk about his charitable work. We're going to talk about his new film, To Die For. That's coming up an hour from right now. A little bit of a holiday festive special guest for you. Then at 8 o'clock about the North Vermillion Patriots? First quarterfinal appearance in program history. They did so by upsetting not one, but two higher seeds to get there. They're going to try to make it three in a row tonight. We'll talk to the man in charge of the Patriots program. Brett Blakey will join us at 8 o'clock. Then at 8.15, I know you're panicking. You're waking up this morning. You're out there getting your shopping on. You're like, oh, RP3. My man, I forgot to set my lineup for fantasy football. There was the triple header of action yesterday. Lots of points scored. Oh, no. Am I doomed? No, you're not doomed. You want to know why? Because Zach Miller will be joining us this morning. Former RP3 and company fantasy football league champion to help you make the adjustments to your lineup in case you missed out setting it yesterday. Going to help you to victory this weekend. And then we'll close out today's show with T.J. Jones of the State of the Saints podcast. He'll be hopping on with us. Going to preview Saints 49ers for this weekend on the Big Easy Blitz. That's it we got lined up for you today. Great show. Great Black Friday edition of the show. Of course, if you're up and about Gearing up for those great deals, two things, two things. If you're watching me on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber, pointing out two two things, all three cameras, two, two, two. First thing, you can listen to us. We appreciate you. Take us with you on the mobile app for Android or Apple devices. That way, when you're in the stores, you're having to be bop around and shop and try to get the good deals. Boom, just put in the earbuds, good to go. You can listen to RP3 and company. And footnotes. And the Jordy Holberg Show with guest host Matt Miguez. And crunch time with Miguez and Mesh today. Second thing, because I said there was going to be two things. So that, that was the first. Here comes the second. Don't be maniacs out there today. Don't be the guy that's shown on the surveillance video on the news later on tonight for running over someone to get into the store for the Black Friday sale or knocking over a grandma for the Black Friday sale or for just getting into fisticuffs because of a Black Friday sale. It happens every single year. Don't be that guy. I believe in you. Produce your extraordinaire. Hannah Five Names believes in you don't be that guy there you go bonus third thing if you want to chop it up with us game hotlines open you know that three three seven seven zero six zero one 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 that's three three seven seven zero six zero one 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 it took approximately less than 10 minutes into this black friday edition For Hannah, five names, the producer extraordinaire, to go ahead and put her head in her hands based on something that I said. I feel like it couldn't have been giving out the hotline number and having people call into the show because she is the woman of the people. Someone's a little tired. How was your Thanksgiving, five names?
3: (laughs) Why does the rain like me?
2: Oh, it loves you.
3: Yeah, because as soon as I got in the road, it started pouring down raining. And then it got faster, and it got harder, and then I could barely see. And there's, like, none of the little hazard light things on the ground to show which lane you're in. So, yeah, people that don't know which lane they got to be in, so they're trying to go in your lane. And you're like, nah, fam, stay over there. I rode, like, 45 for, like, most of the interstate.
2: You know, when you're in your car in a thunderstorm mm-hmm. and you blurt out, hey, fam, stay in your lane, <laughs> you do understand they can't hear you.
3: I, yeah, I know. But then, they still and, want to get my lane. <laughs> and
2: let me let me take it a step further. Even if it wasn't pouring down rain, they still wouldn't <laughs> be able to hear you. I know. Okay. I'm just, I'm just making sure you realize this. So you went home to Slittle. Yep. Now, this came up last week. Before I asked you about how did Turkey Day go for you and your fiancé seeing your family down in Slittle, there's a nickname that was brought to my attention via the group text about your hometown. Correct? So can you explain that? Because I've lived in Louisiana most of my life. I lived in the West Bank of New Orleans. I've lived outside of Baton Rouge and Prairieville, Geismar area. I've lived in Alexandria, Monroe, Lafayette, Sunset. Okay, so Mm -hmm. I've lived the majority of my time in my life in the great state of Louisiana. Yeah. There's a nickname that you blurted out in a group text. I think it was after your team was down by, I think, three touchdowns in that game against Westgate High, the defending state champs. And what was it again? How did you refer to your hometown?
3: The Dirty Dale.
2: The Dirty Dale. Yeah. I hadn't heard that before. I was like, what is a Dirty Dale? Really?
3: Deal? We said it like multiple times. And usually we say Dirty Dale, and then we go into the SpongeBob thing. I'm Dirty dad. No, I'm Dirty dead. No, okay.
2: Well, you and I have never yeah. had that interaction before.
3: <laughs> you and I haven't, but me and Matt have, and you've been around. So I thought you were listening, but apparently you just decided you turn off the earbuds
2: When more than one of you
3: start speaking
2: comes together <laughs> under the age of 25 the old man in his office usually shuts the door <laughs> and then tunes you out
3: yeah let me say Ray you listening to us <laughs> and then <you> go, what <laughs> <laughs> why what are you, you bothering me
2: why are you bothering me children so yes. the dirty Dell and that's a badge of honor so like if if you're from Slidell, you pride yourself on going, man. I'm from the Dirty Dell, son.
3: Yeah, we know that things dirty, but we also like play dirty. So er, there it is. There it except is. Except for when, never mind.
2: So how was Turkey Day in the Dirty Dell?
3: Uh, well, it was fantastic. Um, I started off by going to Metairie on Wednesday night to see my grandma, my mom's mom and we surprised her because our brother came to visit with us for a little bit before he went back home because he was off so i got to surprise her i'm like hey i brought this uh this bellhop in and she goes oh my gosh so like everyone knew but her so that was fun oh nice, nice. but um then i went to my stepmom's house and watched my dog interact with her dogs so that was hilarious because he had a little fluff ball so the dog jojo's like what are you doing and the dog was, like running around him so it's fun um, but yeah, then we played an intense game of left-right center at my aunt's house. had fun, ate a lot of food, talked about how I don't have a library card, and uh, ate, and Kenneth actually hurt his knee. His knee's now swollen from playing football outside with a 21- year old, a 16-year-old and a 15year-old. He dove into the fence, apparently he broke it. I don't I don't know, I wasn't over there. But I ended the nightcap at my stepdad's house and hung out with my stepdad and my dad and my stepdad's new wife and ate all of her food because she has, I don't know, food for like 50. And I went home in the lovely rain and brought home my dollhouse my, poppy, my lady poppy made me. So it's a great night.
2: Your life exhausts me.
3: It exhausts me every day. I'm
2: ready to lay down right now. In fact, I'm going to. I'm just going to do it right now. I'm laying down on the ground because (laughs) your life exhausts me. Five names.
3: And there he goes. (laughs) Can you get back up there? How many? (laughs)
2: It's a little difficult for the old man (laughs) to get back up. How many places did you go in a span of 24
3: hours? Four.
2: Uh, Girl, okay. You know I got nothing but love for you. I, I know you're right there in the top three of my favorite producers of all time of the show.
3: Thanks. I number one. I think follows behind me at two is Lewis. Three, I have no idea. <laughs> I'll give it to to Allen. I feel like alan has been your producer before. I'll give like no. it to Alan. Oh, never mind. No, there's
2: on. no Alan. There's no Well, no. I've had a lot, but no.
3: Never mind.
2: Okay, so yes, as someone who comes from a blended fam uh, a family, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And my wife, the same. Okay, so Mm -hmm. yesterday we had multiple, yes. Get-togethers. Right. So you have to try to balance it. You try to have to time it out, and it can be very stressful. So let me give you a little tip here. This is the move that you got to make. You went and saw everyone in Metairie and the Dirty Mm -hmm. Dale yesterday, Mm -hmm. right? The last couple days. Great. Boom. Let's be proactive. Uh Uh-huh. Next Thanksgiving, have it at your place, and invite everyone.
3: Um, but see,
2: you're not going to do that. I know you're not going to do no. that. No,
3: and it's, it's cause because I because eventually,
2: no. Here's the thing: eventually, you have to be the adult.
3: I am the adult.
2: No, I'm not going a, to everybody else's house as that's the little kid move. I'm trying to give you the adult move, and in this scenario, your fiance, soon to be your husband, won't blow out his knee. Trying to keep up with 16 year olds. What are you doing? He's still one. He should know better. <laughs> He's still one. He won should the know to. better. Come on.
3: He's in a brace right now.
2: <laughs> He's too, too old for that. Nonsense. <laughs> Gotta have it at your place. Because if not, you're just gonna wear yourself down, man. It's just gonna wear it. Trust me. Trust me. We had to do this when we lived in Texas and had to come back and had to squeeze in Alexandria and Lafayette and Arneville. For a few years? No, 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 no. I'm telling you, piece of advice. If you don't want to do Thanksgiving because they have ownership of that, what about Easter? Does anyone in the family own Easter yet?
3: No, we don't really do Easter. It's Boom. Like family thing.
2: Boom. Try to make that your thing. Okay. You guys moved into your new place already, mm-hmm. right? You're settled in. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You'll be married by that time, right? By the time Easter rolls around, yes or no?
3: I I think. When's When's your date?
2: Easter's going to be in (laughs) April.
3: I have what's the date? (laughs) Hold on, hold on Ah, to the fact. ah. (laughs) Hold, please, guys. But I brought my late Poppy's uh dollhouse that he made me way back when, so now I can go to the Hobby Lobbies to get little miniature ovens and stuff. So, I can decorate my little house. That's nice. House. I think it's very nice. I'm going home after this, and I'm going to go to sleep. Yes. I got to bed at 11. I fell asleep at 11.30. I woke up at 4 o'clock.
2: Did you get the 3:40 reaction? forty actually. Did you get the reaction from everyone during your escapades for Turkey Day? Hey, you're off tomorrow, and you would be like, uh, no fam. <laughs> did, you give them, did you give them the no fam that way? They get, no fam. Uh huh I'll be working.
3: Oh, yeah. I, I had like, to, where, where, I, you, where are you staying tonight? And I said, my house. <laughs> i got to go home. i got to be a work at 4 a.m. Are and you
2: sleeping go- in tomorrow, Ray? No, fam.
3: <laughs> we will not, in fact, be married yet. We'll be, we'll be married the next Saturday. Oh. Because Easter's on the 9th, and we're getting married. Think, yeah,
2: see, like. so you can't do it this coming year. Because, yeah. no, no, that's going to be stressful. and. Yeah. You're going to try not to kill people. Because, so, see, my
3: family's smarts so are getting smarter, and they're doing, like, their own Christmases. So, like, on the whatever, the how, next Saturday. How are you
2: handling Christmas?
3: So, the thing is, we go, we do every, so Thanksgiving, we went to my family. Christmas, we go to his family.
2: Next year, you'll flip-flop it? And then you flip-flop There every you go. Okay, we've done that before. So,
3: we do that so that we can see both of the sides of the family. His family's a little bit easier because he's not a blended family. He has his parents, luckily, stayed together their entire lives. So we only go to one house and we do. We go there and that's it. My family's just harder because I have like 12 parents.
2: 18 branches, yes.
3: <clears throat> yeah. It's fun times. So, like, you know, on in two weeks from now, I will go to my mom's house for Christmas and do family houses there. And then the next weekend, we'll go to my grandmother's house. So we do that Christmas too. There.
2: So we do that too because. <clears throat> My brother-in-law, Robbie, is a drudge boat captain. So a lot of times he's not in exactly for the holidays. So we usually celebrate with Tina's family, her dad, her brother, sister-in-law, their kids. We usually get together when he's home. So we always have Christmas Eve at my mom's. Mm -hmm. And then we always do Christmas Day at our house. That, you know, Santa, boom. By the way, Elf on the Shelf, already out done
3: do i get to help pick where it goes um i
2: went sidebar because obviously she's not listening (laughs) so we had an original elf on the shelf and then i misplaced it so then we went out and bought a girl elf on the shelf yes that has a little dress well i found both of them and so they're going to be paired up together this year so i'm gonna blow our daughter's mind when she wakes up and looks on the mantle and there's both of them the girl elf and the boy elf.
3: now there has to be like barbie has to have like a a cop version of her, like a sheriff version, you should find that so you can get the little the little handcuffs and handcuff deals. Oh,
2: nice. Nice. They have all the accessories. I gotta go buy some. Uh, so, I don't even have the trio. We'll do that probably <laughs> Sunday.
3: I don't know where my battery's going. I have no idea yet.
2: We've already planned that out. <laughs> My wife's like, I want it there. Yes, dear. So, I lost my train of thought. No. <laughs> so you have to rotate. Go from the friend. So, yeah. yeah, you have to rotate with, with Christmas. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But I'm just saying try to throw a thing in there. You know, once you get settled, after you get married, then you can be like, hey, I want people over um, and see what happens. We tend to do Easter. We did Easter for a while at our house because Christmas is a rotation, right? Got to figure all that out. Thanksgiving we were usually having at our place, yeah. in Easter, so that eh, makes sense.
3: And it's not like they're like millions of miles apart. Like it took ten minutes to get from where I was at with my stepmom to well, get to my
2: Medary and the Dirty <clears throat> Dell are not ten minutes apart.
3: No, that is not. I actually I went the night before so I could hang out with my grandma and like spend time some time with her and stuff. And like I helped them all cook, so I got to see like two of my aunts in that time frame and some of my cousins. There so, go. like, we had to help cook and do all of that. Oh, all that. And then left that morning and then be able to see that. I mean, actually, because of a random excursion of my dad staying with my stepdad and then becoming, like, BFFs now, they now spend Thanksgiving and, like, Christmas together. So I was able to see my dad and my stepdad at the same time because they came to my stepdad's house, where I'll have to show you after we get to the timeout all the pictures to show you the feast that there is that's for, like, 50 people. There's only like 12 of us
2: once again your life exhausts me it does. your wedding is going to be
3: oh you're gonna have so much fun
2: it's gonna be epic
3: i was changing those things to attending on my <laughs> my wedding app because i was with people i was like have you rcp'd no okay gotcha you coming all right <laughs> i was changing people to attending i'm close to changing yours to attending
2: we, we are attending
3: you have yet to RSVP, sir
2: I I I will I will handle that with my wife. Right now, we have to I'm not gonna wake her up right now. We'll let her sleep. Right now we gotta take a timeout. When we come back, there was a triple header of NFL action yesterday. We're gonna recap it all. Justin Jefferson, by the way, in case you didn't know, is a bad, bad man. And the Lions, well, they found a way to choke away their game. Whoa. That's a brutal loss for Detroit. You're listening to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.
1: RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. It's like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer. Or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: Looking for great stocking stuffers for this holiday season? Look no further than The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. Or you can get yourself a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at cypress bayou casino resort as well but you can only score those great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the game clubhouse so do yourself a favor today on black friday go sign up become a member go visit 1037 gamecom or 1041thegame.com it's free it's simple so go sign up today nfl triple header was yesterday For years, it was only two games. Now we got three games. And we're going to start off with the last game of the night. Justin Jefferson is that dude. Right? He's just that guy. He makes Kirk Cousins look really, really good. He makes Kirk Cousins look like a dog. Finds a way. Guy is absolutely phenomenal. Vikings win a back and forth affair, pretty entertaining game, 33 to 26 over the Patriots. That was your nightcap of the triple header of action. Kirk Cousins nearly 300 yards passing. Three touchdowns and interception Justin Jefferson out there completing an 11 yard pass because why not then he leads the team and leads all wide receivers nine catches 139 yards and a touchdown man catches everything thrown his way absolute dog is he the best wide receiver in football man you can make that argument couldn't you For the former LSU Tiger, you can make the argument that two of the three best wide receivers in football right now are two of the guys that were on the 2019 LSU National Championship team. Jamar Chase is right around there. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. In this game, Vikings also got themselves a 97-yard kick return for a touchdown that proved to be a backbreaker. And the Vikings bounce back after a humbling defeat like they've done before. They improved a 9-2 on the season. They look to me to be the best team in the NFC. Now, I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to have a little something to say about that because I think the 49ers have gotten healthy and they're ascending towards the back end of the schedule. Philly is in the mix as well, but Minnesota does a lot of things really well. And when you got Justin Jefferson on your team, it is, well, he's a game changer. Straight up. Guy just runs. He he could teach a class on route running. Just, it is phenomenal. Earlier in the game, or earlier in the day, rather, the Dallas Cowboys survived the New York Giants. The Giants who appeared to be one of the best teams in the NFL or in the NFC. They had a great start to the season. They've stumbled a little bit here. They dropped to 7 and 4 on the season after a 28 to 20 loss at Dallas Cowboys. Dallas is going to be a playoff team. Dallas is more than likely going to be a wild card team. They're going to be a dangerous wild card team. There's just something when I watch them play. I just don't like, and I can't really put my finger on it. It's just something about how the boys play. Look, divisional game, 28-20 win, improve to what 8 and 3 on the season is all good. But Dak was not good yesterday, and I like Dak. He's a Louisiana kid. But Dak was not good. 261 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. They run the ball fairly well with Elliott and Pollard. They racked up nearly 170 yards on the ground. And Dallas' defense is what stands out to me. Micah Parsons and those boys are legit. They bottled up Daniel Jones under 230 yards passing. The Giants didn't even rush for 100 yards in this ballgame. Saquon Barkley was really not a factor. He did have the touchdown run, but that was it. And they got CeeDee Lamb who went over 100 yards and gallops pretty good. But offensively, they just, there's something about the Cowboys. I go, if Dallas gets in a shootout, are they going to be able to win a game in the playoffs? Yeah. Now, they got the defense. That defense is nasty. With Parsons and Diggs. They're nice on that side of the football. But they had one of the best celebrations I've ever seen. A few years back is when Zeke Elliott did the Salvation Army kettle celebration, right? And he jumped in there at, on Thanksgiving Day. Because the kettle's there at Cowboy Stadium, AT&T Stadium, and jumps in and, you know, jumps out. Well, they did a -a whack-a-mole celebration the Cowboys did. I got to give it up to them. Look, I was raised and spent the majority of my life as a Washington Redskins-slash-football-team-slash-commanders fan. So I despise the Cowboys. But I got to give it up. Game-recognized game. That whack-a-mole celebration with the Salvation Army kettle was perfection, absolute perfection. It was great. The early game, look, I like Dan Campbell. I like what he's done in Detroit. They fight for him. They play hard for him. Now, they got to get some pieces there. They have some nice pieces, but they still got work to do in Detroit. But Dan gets them fired up. Dan gets them to play hard and tough. They had their foot on the throat of the Buffalo Bills and let off their foot. They lost yesterday 28-25. to Detroit falls to 4-7. and seven. They had this game. They should have won this game. Josh Allen had a pedestrian game by his standards. He really did. 253 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. He was sacked three times. Detroit got after him in this ballgame. Lions, though, weren't really able to run the football and give themselves a balanced attack on offense. You got a decent game out of golf. I mean, it was a decent game. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked twice twice in this ballgame. But you're at home. It's turkey day. You got a chance to knock down a Super Bowl contender. And they just let them off the hook, man. They just did. They just let them off the hook. And it's a game they should have won. I mean, here's a sequence of events for the Lions yesterday. Miss a 29-yard field goal. Allow a safety. Miss a winning touchdown pass. Allow a winning drive in only 23 seconds. That's what the Lions did. That's a game they should have won. And I'll say this. Everyone had Buffalo penciled into the Super Bowl before the start of the season. Look, Allen is special. He's he's the reincarnation of Brett Favre. But this Bills team is flawed as I'll get out. And I do believe I trust Kansas City far more in the AFC right now. Because the Bills, I don't know. There's something off about them. Just something off. That was your triple header of NFL action on Turkey Day. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on our guy, Halftime. My man's up early, ready to go get those deals, ready to buy all the gifts for the family, get it out of the way on Black Friday. Halftime, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind?
0: First, I'm going to tell you good morning and happy uh, belated Thanksgiving. But, no, I'm not going to make the deals. I'm headed to work so I can have money so my wife is going to get the deals. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that straight.
2: My man. My man.
0: <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, I was looking to tell you just now about something uh, about Dallas. And um, I know you guys in sports analysts, it's kind of hard because the way how Dallas is, is – the way it is with Dallas, uh, where if you talk if you if you analyze them the right way, all of a sudden you're just a Dallas hater. And it's harder for you by you being a commander fan or instant fan, whatever you want to call it. It's harder for you. Now it's looking like, oh, he's not really looking at it as a sportsman. He just doesn't like Dallas. No, the, the thing is this with Dallas that I feel with you with your team that you don't like, that I don't like either. It's a, a analogy that one of my buddies told me a long time ago and I've been noticing that with a lot of teams. He said this about Matt Ryan a few years ago. What you see what Matt Ryan is, what you get. When you look at Eli, I love Eli. I know Eli is not the greatest quarterback. What I loved about Eli, when it came to playoffs, Eli could step it up. It was like great like Matt Ryan is. When he got to the playoffs, he already hit his ceiling. It's like he couldn't step it up. It's not that he was a bad player. He couldn't step it up. It's like Tom Brady. Tom Brady stepped it up. And I think that's what you're saying, what you see with, with the Cowboys. And, and as far as I'm concerned, that's what I see. I feel that the Cowboys are going to win in the regular season or when it comes to the playoffs. They're going to, you know, depend on the team, they won't be able to take it up Well, that You will not be able to take it up a notch. You just have to take it up. It's playoff time. I think, so I look, at and, and and halftime,
2: half I think you're on to something. I like them to win a playoff game. I could see them going on the road. But yeah. if they get matched up with, say, someone like San Francisco – I'm going to pick the 49ers because I I just trust them. and It has to do with the coaching staff as well because I I trust Shanahan more than I do McCarthy.
0: I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. I agree with you. But as it is, I think they just can't step it up. Whenever they're going to meet that team. I I, I don't even trust them to win a playoff game. I'm serious. That's just me. I just don't think they're going to step it up. I, I think they're a great team. I think they should you have to make to the Super Bowl, I can see that defense they have. But I think offensively, they won't be able to step it up and that's what's going to kill you. All right, guys, you have a
2: good one. You too, brother. Enjoy your weekend. I mean, look, Michael Parsons is that dude. I mean, he is a dog. But when I watch Dallas play, they have the defense. And I like Dak. I do. And the criticism comes... Because you're the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. And Tony Romo had to deal with the same stuff. But I don't know if I trust Mike McCarthy to call the right plays. And I don't know if they have enough guys on offense. I really don't. We got to take a timeout when we turn here on RP3 and company. The Egg Bowl was last night. Woof, Ole Miss. Top 10. Looked like a contender. And then they finished out the regular season losing four of their last five with their only win being a three-point affair against Dumpster Fire Texas A&M. Rebels lose the Egg Bowl to the Bulldogs. We'll recap it next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business, as you've heard me tell you before countless times. LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their new line of grout-free showers. That's right, no muss, no fuss, and no odor. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com. To learn more about all the sensational services and the great products they have to offer, live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit LMGelite.com or stop by their soon-to-be-renovated showroom located on I-49 North across from Hub City, Ford, and the Jockey Lot. It's Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. The Egg Bowl was last night, and the Ole Miss Rebels, woof. Just woof. They go down. They score a touchdown. They call two timeouts when they didn't need to, to draw up a shuttle pass on a two point conversion to tie the ball game, which gets picked off. (laughs) I don't know if Lane Kiffin's going to take the Auburn job, I don't know if he's distracted. But what a way to end the season. This was a team that was ranked in the top 10. This was a team that looked like a contender until the second half against LSU when they absolutely got mollywhopped and lost by 25 points. And they've never been the same team since. Now, we can sit here and say that they were overrated, and they probably were. They really didn't have a quality win on the resume, the only one being Kentucky, and we have figured out that Kentucky's really not that much of a quality opponent. But to stumble and to just look terrible down the stretch when you had still an opportunity to be a 10 win team, had an opportunity to finish strong. They lose to LSU forty five to twenty. They eke out a win on the road at A and M thirty one twenty eight. And we know Texas a and a dumpster fire. They follow that up with a hard-fought loss versus Alabama. They get shellacked by Arkansas. And then they lose last night 24-22 in the Egg Bowl. Mike Leach wins the Egg Bowl for the first time as the head coach at Mississippi State. And this is not a very good Mississippi State team. They improved to 8-4 and four on the season, but 4-4 four and four in the SEC, they're not very good. LSU on top of the West, Bama right behind them, Mississippi State, Ole Miss finished the year eight and four each, four and four in the SEC. Woof. Ole Miss, this is how it went down last night from Hottie Toddy, the fighting George Fouses. They dropped four passes in the ballgame. They got rushed by a Mike Leach coached offense. Had a complete coverage bust on a fourth quarter touchdown that they shouldn't have given up. Defense just went, just disappeared in that moment for the Rebels. They burned two timeouts to run a shovel pass on a failed two-point conversion attempt to tie it. And that's why the Rebels are where they're at. It was a bit of a reloading, rebuilding year for Ole Miss. But, man, that is, Like, they just lost their way. Lost their way. LSU smacked them around, and that was the end of that. Kiffin did say afterwards that he anticipates returning as the Ole Miss football coach. We'll see if that happens. We'll see if the reports by the reporter, the television reporter that Kiffin's been feuding with are actually true or not. Is he going to stay at Ole Miss? I think the Ole Miss job right now is a better job than the Auburn job. If the Auburn job was 10 years ago, maybe. It'd be different. But the way Auburn has conducted its business with its athletic department, with its president, with its boosters, with everything involving what's going on in the Plains in the last, I don't know, five to six years, I wouldn't touch that job with a 10-foot pole. It is radioactive garbage. You can win eight to ten games a year at Ole Miss, and they'll be extremely happy. So we'll see. We're on kiffin watch, as they like to say. Egg Bowl goes to Mississippi State. Congratulations to Leach. They kind of rallied there late, didn't they? But the win does for Mississippi State. That's going to be more than likely another quality win off LSU's resume, even though I don't think it hurts them. Right? Because when the final rankings come out, they may only have one win over a ranked opponent. That'd be Alabama. Auburn is not bowl eligible. Florida is only a six-win team. Ole Miss will be unranked. Mississippi State will more than likely be unranked. They got the Bama win. But as I've told you before, LSU wins Saturday in College Station. They beat Georgia in the SEC Championship game. There in the playoff. First two-loss team to be there. So it doesn't really matter. The committee loves them some purple and gold. And that's all that really matters. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll unveil the poll question of the day. Share your comments. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Mm -hmm. Poll question of the day. Which marquee college football game are you watching this Saturday? Now, it's no offense to... The Louisiana Raging Cajuns, who are trying to get to be bowl eligible by taking on Texas State in San Marcos, a win will get them into the eyeball. And it's no offense to LSU going and playing at Texas A&M. Aggies are an absolute dumpster fire. We know this. We understand this. And a win gets LSU to 10 wins for the regular season before heading over to Atlanta. For the SEC championship game. So it's no offense to those games. It's not even any offense to the Iron Bowl. Which is intriguing because of everything going on with Auburn. And could they pull off an upset with an interim head coach. Against a very vulnerable Alabama Crimson Tide team. There's some intrigue there. But really there's three marquee matchups. That could directly impact the college football playoffs. Michigan at Ohio State in the horseshoe. Number three at number two. Big 10 division title on the line. Winner goes to the Big 10 championship and will be able to punch their ticket to the college football playoff. The other one's going to need help and one of the best rivalries in all of sport. Notre Dame at USC. This is intriguing. USC, they got past UCLA. They're going to make their case to get into the college football playoff. Irish I've played far better of late. Can the Trojans get past them and keep their hopes of getting in to the college football playoff alive? Oregon at Oregon State also has a trickle-down effect as well because that rivalry game known as the Civil War between the Ducks and the Beavers, they're both ranked in the college football playoff rankings. A win for Oregon could help their chances, And then if they beat USC, they may be able to try to sneak into the college football playoff as well. So that's got playoff implications as well. Pac-12 after dark. Poll question of the day, which marquee college football game are you watching this Saturday? Right now, 48% of you say Michigan at Ohio State. 38% of you say all of them. 14% say Notre Dame at USC. And 0% say Oregon at Oregon State. Salty Steve says, Buckeyes versus Wolverines. Battle of the overrateds, but it's necessary for all I say to win big. Only reason to watch Pac-10 Fussball. Sucks. Salty Steve. It's supposed to be no salt Friday. No salt Friday. And this man is all about the saltiness. Keep those comments coming. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. Hour number one down on this Black Friday edition. Hour number two, we'll kick it off with John Schneider. That's next right here on The Game. Welcome back into RP3 and company on this Black Friday edition of the show. As the clock turns to 7.03 and we begin hour number two, make sure to go get your votes in on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. No shenanigans. And while you're out and about buying gifts for your loved ones, trying to get those great deals, we got an early Christmas gift for you with our next guest. His iconic career began four decades ago when he portrayed Bo Duke on the Dukes of Hazzard. He would later go on to portray Jonathan Kent on the Superman origin series Smallville on the CW, and then found even more fans when he portrayed Jim Cryer on the haves and the have-nots created by Tyler Perry. In between, he has put together a great chart-topping country music career, he has created numerous foundations to help children, and he's become an independent filmmaker in his own right in his new film, To die for is available now to stream and to buy on dvd it's our privilege welcoming to rp3 and company john schneider john good morning to you brother how are you
4: you read every word just as i wrote it
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: No, i'm kidding okay I'm kidding. thank you for all of that my god
2: I want to start off talking about your career and you're 18 or 19 years old when you get cast as Bo Duke on the Dukes of Hazzard and you find instant fame. It becomes a pop culture phenomenon. How did you deal with the instant fame that came with being on the Dukes of Hazzard?
4: With all due respect, it's only instant from the outside perspective because I started in theater when I was eight years old. I, for some reason, knew and I believe that we are designed by God to do something very specific, because God is up to something that we're part of, not the other way around. And for some reason, I knew at eight years old, oh, this is what I am. Uh, not just this is what I'm supposed to do, but this is what I am. So I say that to say that even though I was only 18, I had been actually doing performing and doing theater. And I bet you I've done 22, 23 different productions, uh, as an actor or a singer or somebody hanging lights or doing makeup by the time I was 18. So I was uh, I was ready for it, and I was expecting it, which is a, an interesting word, I think. Not expecting it because I thought I was any good, but expecting it because I believed that was the road God put me on. So when the opportunity came around for Dukes, that very week I had auditioned for... Uh, a movie called The Great Santini with Robert Duvall. And also they were doing a, a nationwide combing the nation to try to find somebody southern, which is a whole other story, but southern to replace John Travolta in Welcome Back, Cotter, because John was leaving that show. And the reason I say that's a whole other story is I was uh, they were looking on Dukes they were looking and Welcome Back, Cotter. They were looking for uh, for older people, like 24 to 30, um, and from rural south, and I was actually 18 from Westchester County, New York.
2: <laughs> you didn't quite fit the uh, what their uh, perception of who that role was supposed to be for.
4: No, but you know, by that point, I'd already played Tevia and Fiddler on the Roof, and I'm not a I'm not a 50 year old uh, uh, Jewish man from uh, Anatev. Uh, I played Oscar in uh, the um, the Odd Couple, and I'm not a, I'm not a 40 year old sports writer. So, you know, one of the things I learned early, early on, as cliche as it may sound, um, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. So I had heard through the uh, actors grapevine what they were looking for specifically and what they were not looking for specifically. So um, I gave them my interpretation of what they were looking for, told them I was 24 from Snailville, Georgia. And I, I showed up at the audition with a six pack of past blue ribbon and, and asked the secretary at the desk if she wanted one. So I made a first impression.
2: I love that and only being like 18 years old to be able to pull that off. So yeah, obviously
4: but only, only because I had been I had been doing theater for 10 years. I mean, you don't, you don't have that kind of gumption uh, accidentally at 18. I mean, you, you acquire that. you build that over over a period of time.
2: You were obviously prepared for taking on the role and prepared for dealing with the fame, but were you surprised at all that it became such a huge hit for kids and adults across the board?
4: Well, it became uh, what they called, uh, uh, it was kind of like required viewing. Uh, It was appointment television, and uh, folks who are listening who don't remember a time where you had to watch something when it was on and you couldn't record it that's what appointment television was. You, you, if you missed Dukes of hazard on Friday night and you were 13 years old uh, or 30 years old uh, and you couldn't speak about it on Monday at the workplace or at school, you were, you were tragically uncool. Um, and people don't, people don't really understand that anymore. But as far as, as far as um, the only thing that surprised me about Dukes is that a couple of years ago, they, they, they caved to uh to uh, myopic, narcissistic, liberal thinking, and took it off the air. Because um, when Dukes was on, we we started filming in 1978, and we started airing in 1979. There was a film called Smokey and the Bandit. Burt Reynolds was the biggest star in the world, and that was a that was a glorious what we now call Alicia and I call Southern horsepower comedy that cost around. Two and a half, three million dollars, and grossed two hundred and sixty million dollars. So obviously, there was a there was definitely an audience for a show like The Dukes of Hazzard.
2: Well, I know from my own uh, personal experience, I made sure every Friday night that I was there with my own little diecast General Lee in the, my parents' living room, watching it because it was appointment television. And let me tell you, yeah. and when it was show and tell day, I made sure to bring my General Lee to, to school there. At uh,
4: there you go, and you, you probably jumped the coffee table with it many times. Oh, all, all the time, all the time.
2: We're talking with John Schneider, star of Dukes of Hazard, Smallville, The Haves and Have Nots, and the writer, director, and star of To Die For. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. It was during your time portraying Bo Duke on the Dukes of Hazzard that you began a second career in entertainment as a very successful country music artist. What was the genesis of that career?
4: Well, a couple things. Uh, A lot of the theater I did before Dukes was musical theater. So really, I consider myself at that point, and and to, to a very real degree now, I consider myself a singer who acts, not the other way around. So... The, the singing was something I had always been doing during Dukes, uh, sang on a bunch of award shows and talk shows and things. But the real inspiration for that, or the, the real belief that that was something I could and should do, uh, came from my dad, who was uh, he played in a square dance band in Mount Kisco, New York, called the Crop Dusters, with a bunch of other pilots. So I, I have wonderful memories of, uh, of my dad playing in his band. Um, and being inspired by that, you know, the guy up in front with a guitar and a cowboy hat, um, and not, not playing what people call country music today, but playing what we really called Western music then. Um, so I, I, I kind of never wasn't a guy with a guitar all during high school. People will say they, they always saw the long haired fat kid with his guitar on his back. And that was me. Um, so it made perfect sense to go from Dukes to country music, although the timing was, I had nothing to do with the timing. That was just, that was God. Because as, as Dukes was going off the air, my uh, first song on MCA, I've Been Around Enough to Know, was Becoming Number One. So uh, I wish I could say, i you know, of course, that was in my plan. Well, no, that just was, uh, that was... Not luck, but that was a, a confluence of, of being at the right place at the right time, but with the right tools and the right history to take advantage of it. And, uh, you know, that's something I, I, I talk to a lot of people about is, you know, things don't just happen. Uh, really, the only things that just happen are nighttime and morning. The rest of it, you've got to be prepared. You've got to be expectant, like I was and you've got to be able to recognize opportunity when it comes along, which, which really brings us, oddly enough, to this, to this new movie. Um, because last year, uh, Alicia and I were in a, somewhere out in Arizona, and a, a story came over my Facebook where a guy had just chosen to go to jail rather than obey the court and take the American flag off the back of his truck when he drove within a hundred yards of the local high school. Um, so that was right at a year ago. And I thought, you know, the midterms are coming up and I need to write a movie about this guy and play this guy because I really am this guy. Uh, I'm intensely patriotic. I love our country. I am unable to not express my views and opinions, especially with regard to our veterans and our freedom. And our law enforcement. So I, I wrote this movie, fully expecting that it would be out in time for the midterms, and it was, and it's out now, and it's greatly received by not only our veterans, but uh, what I'm I'm starting to call our oddly silent majority. So when when uh, when President Trump was on the air the other day and said, "I am your voice," I was thinking, you know, that's so funny. I was just saying that this movie has been the voice of a uh, of an oddly silent majority and now they don't have to be that anymore
2: for me, John, my patriotism is rooted in my family. My grandfather served in the United States Air Force in World War II. I had another grandfather that served in the Pacific during World War II as well. My brother in the United States Army served three tours overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan. So my patriotism comes from my family members who served our country. I know your father served in the United States Air Force as a pilot as well. Is that where your sense of patriotism is rooted in, your dad? A great, a great,
4: great role. Uh, my father as well as my grandfather Uh, at our studio in, uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or Holden, Louisiana, actually, I have the roster from when my grandfather fought in world war one. It's up on the wall. So I've had that, that was, uh, that was given to me when my grandfather passed away uh, back in 1972. And I, I, just have in me a, an understanding that my freedom is not free. Now, my grandfather on my other side, it's a little bit of a, of a morbid tale, but my grandfather on my, my uh, mother's side was, uh, ran a funeral home. <laughs> and I can remember being an 8-year-old in 1968 and uh, used to hang out with my, my grandpa at the funeral home in Katona, New York, And the first the first uh, body I saw was a young man, probably 22, 23, who was killed in Vietnam and, and came back home draped in a casket with a flag on him. And I remember the town showing up to honor this young man and his family and his service and his sacrifice. And I'll never forget that. So to me, The flag of the United States of America is indeed a symbol of our freedom and our country, but I will never be able to disassociate the flag of the United States of America with the sacrifice that people make, they have made, they will continue to make, and the families of those people will continue to sacrifice for our freedom. So when someone takes a knee, and when someone is applauded for doing so, everything in john schneider's soul catches fire and i i believe in freedom i believe in freedom of speech i understand the logical debate that the flag is the symbol that gives you the right to disrespect the flag which is the symbol that gives you the right it's a a circular argument but i also believe in my soul But in this country, we have the right to do all that but which what is wrong and disrespecting those who have given their lives and their limbs and their loved ones for our freedom is unequivocally wrong. And that's what this movie is about.
2: We're talking once again with John Schneider, former Dukes of Hazzard star. His latest passion project is To Die For. It's out now. You can find it to dieformovie.com or to dieformovie.com. John, I'll be remiss if I don't ask you about Smallville. Great success on that show. You portrayed Jonathan Kent for a decade, and a lot of people believe that Jonathan Kent is at the heart of the Superman origin story. Some of the big-budget movies that came after that show kind of lacked that heart. What was it about portraying Jonathan Kent that appealed so much to you, and why did you jump at the chance of portraying him on television?
4: The degree to which... When I first read the uh, the pilot of Smallville, how much the Jonathan Kent character reminded me of Uncle Jesse in his dignity, in his love, in his not only respect for his niece and nephews, uh, but his respect of them and his requirement of respect from them. So when I read the pilot of Smallville, the, the The line of dialogue that really sung to me was uh, when Clark saved uh, Lex Luthor's life, and then all of a sudden a uh, brand-new truck shows up at the farm. And when that showed up, I took the keys from Clark, and he he thought I was saying, uh, I don't want you to have this because it came from the Luthers." And I said no, and I explained to him a few things about the family history of the looters. And the greatest line of dialogue was, I just want you to know where the money came from that bought that truck. You know, And there are so many levels of, of respect and honor and dignity and thought and logic and reason in that one line of dialogue that when I read that, I thought I've— uh, I've got to be this character. Uh, this is the next thing that just as when I read the the, the Dukes of Hazard asides, I thought, oh, this is for me. When I read the Smallville pilot, I thought, oh, this is for me um, and went out and, and seized it with both hands, uh, which you must do. You know, people don't give you anything. And, and uh, truth be told, I believe that if something is given to you, it's probably not worth having.
2: We have to step away to take a timeout, but more with John Schneider. Coming up right here on RP3 and Company, you're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.
1: A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
2: John Schneider rejoins us here on rp 3 and Company. His latest movie, To Die For, is out right now. You can go find it at todieformovie.com or todiefordvd.com. John, you took on a ton of challenges in your entertainment career. Small screen, wildly different roles. You did music, touring, successful country music star. You've even done Broadway, off-Broadway productions as well. But was the most challenging thing you've ever taken on in your career that's now four decades when you made the decision to appear on Dancing with the Stars.
4: Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I've done Broadway show. I've had a couple of opening nights on Broadway, which you know, before Dancing with the Stars was was the most nerve wracking thing. Uh, Dancing with the Stars was me as a total fish out of water. Uh, but it was also, and I, I'm a guy. I've been working out. I've worked out for years. I've, I've kind of. Back a little away from it in the last year, we've had a, a, a an interesting year, but um, it was the most physically demanding gig I've ever had as well. So uh, during that time, I came into it in pretty good shape, but I lost 26 pounds doing Dancing with the Stars. Uh, so it was uh, it was quite something. I think when you when you did the the introduction, I think when you mentioned it, you might have heard me groan. <laughs> well, I did because because it was hard to do. I'm glad I did it though. I'm delighted that I did it. But uh, I don't believe I would do it again.
2: How tough was your dance partner Emma Slater?
4: Oh, she was great. She was a tyrant though, you know. <laughs> which you need to be. You need to be. You, you need to. Uh, uh, I never took a ballet. Well, you know, I actually in uh, in summer camp in theater camp, I might have taken a ballet class. They do beat you with a stick. You know, it's like. Uh, because you you can't you can't do what you need to do in order to do Dancing with the Stars, uh, and not work your butt off. And you know it's like a good trainer. Maybe you'll do ten reps on your own, but you'll do fifteen with a good trainer. Um, so I needed that, and she was great. And uh, it was it was really a wonderful group of people to be a part of. And even though they've had now what thirty. 31, maybe 31 seasons. Uh, All in all, what are there, 12, maybe 12 people on a season? It's really a small group of people in the world who have done that. And uh, many of them are very tough. Randy Couture did it. Randy is a friend. And uh, we've talked about it before. And, you know, he's he's in the ring and doing incredibly physical stuff. But he will tell you that Dancing with the Stars was harder than... (laughs) Than what he does for a living Uh, football players you name it they just it's like oh my god
2: that's what so many of the stars actually say is that it's one of the more challenging physical and mental endeavors they ever take on in their career
4: you hear a woodblock count you in you know click 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 and for the next it's not that long when i watch him now i watch him i I showed the the jungle book one that i did to somebody a couple days ago and i realized that's only like 58 seconds how could that have been so difficult? <laughs> but it was. It was. So you, you hear the, the wood block, and then you think, okay, well, it's on me. There's no take two. Uh, and one night, uh, Emma's dress got caught in some sequin or something that I had on my, my outfit for uh, Halloween. And we, we took an extra beat, or we, we wasted a beat ripping her dress out from my sequins and then caught up somehow because uh, you don't get a chance to do it again. You know, that, that's it. So it was, uh, it was a great experience. But like I said, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I've been there, done there, lost 26 pounds, and uh, don't want to do it again.
2: <laughs> we'll wrap it up with this, John. You've had a storied four-decade career in entertainment, but I don't think it's an assumption for me to go out on a limb and say that the thing you're most proud of is the fact that you serve as one of the co-founders of the Children's Miracle Network with Marie Osmond, a network that has helped thousands upon thousands of children in this country and in Canada. How did that all come to be, and how did you get involved?
4: We wanted to help people who help children, do it better. And again, you remember I told you my dad played for a, in a square dance band called the Crop Dusters? Well, they, once a year, they would play for a wheelchair square dance. And I had the great pleasure of going to that once or twice as a 7- or 8-year-old. And that made uh, such an impression on me how music could make uh, make it possible for children in wheelchairs to have a wonderful evening. So later on, when uh, when Dukes of Hazard happened, it seemed like a very natural thing for a at that point, 22 year old John Schneider to do, which was help start something that would uh, that would benefit children uh, throughout the United States. And we also branch into Canada as well. Um, we are now 40 years old and we are just touching eight billion with a B, eight billion dollars raised to help children all throughout the United States and Canada.
2: I know you probably have been told this before, but thank you for that, and thank you for all the work that you're doing with the Children's Miracle Network. It is definitely making a huge impact in people's lives. And thank you for your time, and uh, thank you so much. Can't wait to do this again, and can't wait to check out your new film. John, thank you so much, brother.
4: You're welcome to dieformovie.com, to dieformovie.com. I appreciate it
2: the holiday season is upon us and the game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card that's right it's the Christmas comes early sweepstakes presented by Almertal Jewelers simply enter in the game the rewards club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score yourself a $500 Visa gift card it's that easy it's the Christmas comes early sweepstakes powered by Almertal Jewelers and the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station we got to take a timeout. More For RP3 and company coming up on this special Black Friday edition right here on the Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Hey, you're out there looking for great deals today because it's Black Friday. Guess what? We got another great deal from AcadianaDeals.com to tell you about because you can get yourself a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for just, wait for it, $15. That's it. That's a $30 deal for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com. That's AcadianaDeals.com today to get yourself a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for only $15. Great stocking stuffer gift for someone in your life. Poll question of the day. Is all about this college football weekend. rivalry weekend and plenty, plenty of marquee matchups. And we could have went easy, right? We could have stayed with the great state of Louisiana. Louisiana Raging Cajuns taking on Texas State and San Marcos need to get to a win. Need to get a win to get bowl eligible so they can punch their ticket to the Independence Bowl is what we project. We could have went LSU taking on the dumpster fire. A dumpster fire filled with wet trash. That is Texas A M. Or, man, you know, could even went Tulane taking on Cincinnati tonight. That's a big game. But it's the marquee games. And it's three contests in particular that will directly impact the college football playoff rankings and the college football playoff race. Michigan, Ohio State, at the horseshoe, big blue, Buckeyes. Winner punches its ticket to the Big Ten Championship game where they'll be heavily favored to defeat either Purdue, Iowa, or Illinois. One of those three. Then there's Notre Dame at USC. Trojans have a chance to make it into the playoff. They beat UCLA last weekend. Offense is spectacular. Defense, eh, not so much. They're taking on a Notre Dame team that has found itself in the back half of the schedule. Then USC would play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. Eh, That's three ranked opponents in a row. They win all three of those games. They could find themselves in the playoff. But they got to get past the Fighting Irish. That game will be at the Coliseum tomorrow. Then there's also Oregon at Oregon State, the Civil War is how they refer to that one, the Ducks versus the Beavers. Both of those teams are ranked in the college football playoff rankings. Oregon slips up to Oregon State that could have a huge impact on USC. USC needs to have Oregon still with one loss. If the Ducks trip up against the Beavers, that hurts USC's chances of getting into the playoff. So that has a direct impact there on the college football playoff rankings as well, the final one heading into championship weekend. Right now, 52% of you say Michigan, Ohio State. Of course, you can listen to that game live right here on the game. 11 o'clock kick, we're carrying it for you. We got Michigan, Ohio State in the morning, LSU, Texas A&M in the early evening. 31% Thirty-one percent of you say all of them gonna binge out this holiday weekend watching college football. Seventeen percent say Notre Dame at USC. No votes for Oregon or Oregon State. Ralph on Twitter says as long as channel surfing is allowed, all three really want to watch the Golden Domers win one of the one for the ex skipper and upset USC. But we'll be glued to LSU versus A and M because I'm a little nervous about a trap game. Go Tigers! Go Cajuns! It does feel like it could be a trap game, right? Does feel that way. But does AM have any life left in them? I don't know. I really don't. I, if this was a normal year, I'd say yeah, but this is a team that's out of even going to a bowl game. Their season is lost. They already got players entering the transfer portal, ready to. to abandoned ship like rats on a on on a vessel that's taking on water you think am would get up for this you think Am would like to play the spoiler you think am would say this is our Super Bowl if you will but I don't know have you seen any fight whatsoever from Texas Am in the last month did they look like a team that's inspired did they look like a team that's fighting for their coach did they even look like a team that's listening to their coach? Because they don't to me. They really don't. They really don't appear to be a team that really gives a flying flip right now. They just don't. Keep those votes coming. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on the RP3 and company, the producer extraordinaire... She's been resting her chops. She's ready to dazzle us with weekend picks. That's coming up next. LSU AM, UL Texas State, Saints 49ers. All coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Hey, the World Cup is back and you can watch thrilling action on Delta Media's Telemundo, Lafayette Free Over the Air on KLWB Channel 50.3 and Cox Channel 19. For Lake Charles listeners, not to worry. You can get all your World Cup action courtesy of Telemundo. Lake Charles Free Over the Air on Channel 19.2 and Sunlink Channel 137. That's thrilling World Cup action on Delta Media. Now, speaking of the World Cup, which is continually going on. Wales loses their match to Iran, giving up two late goals in the in the match earlier this morning. That actually helps the Americans. Cuz remember, Team USA got a draw with Wales in the opener. They play England today, then they'll play Iran on Tuesday. So on one hand, it's a good thing Because now the team that the Americans drew with has lost a game, has lost a match that puts them behind the eight ball of advancing out of the group stage. Remember, the top two teams advance out of the group stage. That's a good thing. Right? Because now that gives the Americans a chance. Here's the bad portion of that. They drew with Wales... Wales just lost to Iran. Iran does not appear to be an easy match now. So even though Wales lost, the Americans, if they lose today against England, will have to now beat Iran and will probably have to win the point differential.
5: Woo!
2: I feel like the Americans are going to get out of group stage. But the confidence level I have for them to make a run at the World Cup, not that high. Not that high for me. Just isn't. Just isn't. Once again, Team USA, England, this afternoon, 1 o'clock. World Cup action from Qatar. Let's talk about the action for this weekend hesitation, trepidation (laughs) by the producer extraordinaire Miss Hannah Five names about making her picks for the weekend. Regular season wraps wraps up this weekend. UL on the road at Texas State and lovely San Marcos. Got to get a win. You get to six wins. We already know Independence Bowl covets the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They win on Saturday, tomorrow. They are going to be heading up to Shreveport for Independent Stadium.
3: Woo!
2: Shout out to Shreveport, Bossier City. LSU, also in Texas, taking on Texas A&M, trying to avoid the trap game against the Aggies, who are an absolute dumpster fire, times two. And then there's the Saints. Coming off a win, they're feeling good about themselves, but they haven't won back-to-back games all season long, and they got to go on the road and take on the 49ers who are ascending. They look like they could build themselves up into be the best team in the NFC. Those are the three games we got to make picks for. Those are the three games that Hannah Five Names has researched on, but emotionally, it's been a toil on her. She... Has just been ravaged with uncertainty when it comes to these picks. So let's get right to it. Let's we'll start off with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns at Texas State. Need a win to get to bowl eligibility in Coach Dez's first year. Hannah, five names. Do the Raging Cajuns find a way? Do they get the job done and win on Saturday?
3: I hope they win. My fingers are so crossed they c- you could break them. Um, I-, I think that the team, to me, kind of deserves it. I think the win is needed, I think, to keep in high spirits and keep the fans at bay because everyone nowadays is all, we need to win and win and win and win, and we have new coaches, we need to win and win and win and win, but don't really realize a thing called transformation and transition aren't words they would like to hear. So, I think they do win 24-20. to
2: That's a good score. Very good score. Excellent score. Nearly was my score. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think it's going to be challenging because it's on the road, and it's just challenging because it's going to be another game with Chandler Fields at quarterback. I do like the Cajuns in this game to win because I like the fight I saw out of them late in the game against Florida State, a game that was easily out of hand. They could have rolled over. They didn't. They put together a couple of touchdown drives. That's going to help build confidence. That game was on the road as well. When the Cajuns are on, they're really good. 38 points against Arkansas State, 36 points against Georgia Southern. But when they struggle, 17 points against Troy at home. 24 points against Southern Miss. I I like that score, but I like the Cajuns to win this one, 27-20. UL pulls out the win, hard-fought win. They pull away late, 27-20. They get to six wins, and they get to punch their ticket to the Independence Bowl in Shreveport. Now let's stay in the great state of Texas, as I like to call it, LSU, they're already going to Atlanta. They're already playing for the SEC championship game. They've already exceeded all expectations. But, man, it sure would be good to get to 10 wins. And it sure would be good to stick it to old Jimbo Fisher. Is he the most un- – in a in a conference that has Nick Saban as a head coach and Lane Kiffin as a head coach, Jimbo may be the most Dislike. disliked coach in the conference You're working hard to have that title. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a trap game. I think getting tested on the road at Arkansas two weeks ago in bad conditions against a desperate team, I think that shook them. I think they were able to pull out the win, and because of that, I think they're going to be focused, and I don't think Kelly's going to let them slack off against A&M+ a players, some of them have already talked off, ran off at the mouth, have talked about peeing and cornflakes or whatever that comment was by one of their players. I'm not for sure. We'll have to check if he's still on the team or did he already enter the transfer portal. I like LSU to win this one. And you know what? A lot of people say this is a trap game. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think AM has any fight left in them. I think Jimbo Fisher's lost his team. I don't think they care. I think they've tuned him out. And I don't think the fans care either. I don't think this is a close game. I'm going to say LSU 35, Texas A&M 17. I think this is going to be a good old-fashioned beatdown, and holiday weekend will be a good one for LSU. What says you?
3: So I think it's still going to be a close score, but not because I think A&M has that much fight in them. I think they're still going to try. I think they will still try because they want to be like, Our coach sucks. We have guys in onesies and jumpers that like to talk crap about every other team we're playing against, so we still suck. So I think they still just try just to to do so. So I think it's going to be still close, 31-27, but the points will come very little at a time with, like, 30 minutes between each touchdown or play. So 31-27 LSU.
2: See, I just – I get that, but there's no fight left in this A&M team. I'll be stunned if it's a close game tomorrow. I really will. And I'll be there. I'm making the trek. Never been to Kyle Field. Never been to College Station. I'm staying about 35 minutes outside of town with a buddy of mine. And I picked a hotel that's next to a Waterburger, So that will probably be the highlight of the trip. Let's go to the third and final game that we have to give picks for. You hear? You hear? You know what we're going to do? We're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up our number two on this Black Friday edition and you'll hear all the trepidation in Hannah Five Names' voice about her Saints 49ers pick. That's going to be coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There will have to be an email sent to people on this Black Friday edition. Shenanigans ensue. All right, we only got a couple minutes left in hour number two. Hannah Five Names, you have trepidation about making your New Orleans Saints San Francisco 49ers pick. Won't you go ahead and share it with us. Go ahead. I know you're torn about it. You're upset.
3: No, people are not going to like me. Hot take. Uh, Dennis Allen, I feel like uh, his nickname is really, middle name is uh, Dory. So he has short-term memory loss. So I think he'll forget again who Taysom Hill is and Alvin Kamara is. And um, so they won't win somehow. And they'll lose 28 to the 49ers.
2: I got San Francisco winning this game. I just think, look, they got Elijah Mitchell back, the former Erath rath High, Louisiana Raging Cajun star. They traded for Christian McCaffrey. Jimmy G is playing at a nice level right now. They have too many weapons. The Saints' defense doesn't show up from week to week. I, they played pretty well this past week. I expect them to regress and play bad. I, I, or, so it's at San Francisco or Santa Clara, wherever they're playing their games at these days at Levi Stadium. So... I don't know. I like 49ers to win this one. I think it's going to be 35-24. San Fran beats New Orleans 35-24. to So, we're in agreement on UL, we're in agreement on LSU, and we're in agreement on the 49ers. It's the first. Oh, now, will Footsie agree with us? Of course, we'll share our picks, all three of ours, tomorrow and then on Sunday – on our social media accounts you got to make sure to watch out for that (sighs) good show so far shenanigan field show but a good show so far we're going to kick off our number three here on rp 3 and company talking high school football quarterfinals are tonight and our first guest of our number three well He's got his team into the quarterfinals for the first time in program history. North Remilian head football coach Brett Blakey will join us to kick off hour number three. That's coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Everything, going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3 final
2: hour of this black friday edition of rp3 and company has arrived and man we got a great final hour for you coming up 30 minutes from right now tj jones from the state of the saints podcast will help us preview saints 49ers and of course we got fantasy football talk with zach miller later on this hour as well but right now it's time for us to talk some more high school football for most coaches the goal is to have a game to practice for, to prepare for, to game plan for the week of Thanksgiving. And our next guest has that. They ended the regular season 4-6, and six, playing in one of the toughest districts in the state, 4-4-8. But what did they do as the 23 seed? They upset Franklin Parish, 35-28 in the opening round. Then turned around and took down number 7 church point Point, forty-one thirty in the second round tonight they're going to host number two seed west feliciana you can listen to the ball game between north vermilion and west feliciana on the home for the vermilion parish game of the week 1063 radio lafayette with craig wall and ward corville on the call the man in charge of the patriots joins us now the north vermilion head football coach brett blakey coach good morning congratulations brother thank you for making the time
6: we're doing great we appreciate you having us
2: on Well, Coach, i got to ask you, how does it feel to have a game to prepare for the week of Thanksgiving?
6: Uh, It's an awesome feeling. Um, Something I've experienced only one other time as a coach whenever I was in Louisville in 2010. And like you said, man, it's just something different about practicing on the week of Thanksgiving.
2: Your coaching career has seen you coach at Lorville High School as an assistant coach, serve as the head man at Hanson Memorial, serve as an assistant at Lafayette High, and, of course, at North Vermillion before you took the head coaching job. What are some of the lessons that you learned early in your career that has helped prepare you lead this year's team to their first state quarterfinal appearance in program history?
6: I think it just, it just comes down to every year is different, man. Uh, even though you get a group of kids for four years, it's, it's just different things each year, you know. And there's a lot of stuff uh, that you experience early on in your career that helps, you, helps guide you later on in your career. You know, I've been doing this for 15 years. And um, when you first get into it, you have this idea of how everything's going to go and probably doesn't go any way like you imagine it. So uh, just being a coach, man, it's all about being able to adapt and adjust. You know, I tell our coaching staff at the beginning of the year, every year our, our best ability is adaptability like with kids it's just so many uncertainties you never know what one kid's going through each day so it's just adapting and figuring out how to reach these kids and make sure that they're prepared each and every week and that they that they believe in themselves you know because we as coaches I think we do a great job of believing in our kids and part of our job is just getting them to believe in themselves and that they can accomplish what they put their minds to.
2: You know, take me back, Coach, to 2018. It's early in 2018 and you get the opportunity to uh, be promoted after serving as the defensive coordinator there at North Vermillion. Uh, the principal, Tommy Bylar decides to make that decision to promote you after Richard Prejean had uh, retired and stepped away after 22 years there with the program. You know, you get that opportunity to be a head man again. Uh, what was kind of going through your mind when that occurred uh, a handful of years ago?
6: I just learning from the mistakes that you make in the past and you you try not to repeat the same mistakes again. Um, Like I said, it's just different challenges are presented in different places. And, you know, just keeping your nose to the grindstone, showing up every day, working your tail off as a coach so that way your kids can believe in you. Um, And we've had our shares of struggles these these last few years. Um, Obviously the last two years, only having won two games each year uh, it, it's been a struggle for you as a head coach. You know, doubt creeps in at times, but you know, I think the biggest testament to our, our coaches and our kids is that we, we never let it get too far out of control. We just kept grinding, and I think we're, we're reaping the rewards this year.
2: Well, let's talk about this season because obviously – You know, you're having to play in a stacked district, 4-4-A, St. Thomas More, Lafayette Christian Academy, Westgate, Turlings Catholic. It's, you know, it's a bunch of heavyweights in that district. And uh, you guys, you know, took some lumps during the season. What was the message to the guys when you guys were kind of up and down throughout the regular season?
6: Uh, For us, it was just stay the course. You know, um, we talk about iron sharpens iron, and that, that district was, even though it was difficult for us to see at the beginning, to look forward, thinking into the playoffs, like that district was preparing us to make a playoff run. Um, obviously, playing teams the caliber of those guys that you just listed, like you, you have an option, or you have two options: you can either give up, or you can get better. And I think our kids, each and every week, got better. You know, uh, you look at the stats; the stats really can't can't begin to describe the story. But each and every week I saw improvement from our kids on, on both sides of the ball,
4: defensively and offensively.
6: And uh, things have kind of clicked, per se, in the, in the playoffs for us. You know, So those, those quality teams prepared us for what we were going to see in the, in the playoffs and got our kids used to playing at a, a certain speed and maybe they might not have been used to playing in, in another district.
2: So the regular season comes to an end and then you get set for the postseason, you know that you're going to be the number 23 seed. You know you're going to have to be pulling off upsets if you want to make a run. Did your message change at all to the kids, or did it remain the same as it did in fall camp and throughout the regular season?
6: No, it's always remained the same for me. And our main message to our kids is just focus on getting 1% better, and that's 1% better each day, 1% better each play. I guess if we can figure out, from each and every play and each and every day, one thing to learn and one thing to get better at. And as we continue to go along, and now we're 13 weeks into this in the regular in the season of the playoffs, I mean, that's that's a lot of days to string together of just little improvement, little by little, and it makes a big deal whenever you get to the end of the season if, you, if you're focused on those things. And for us, and it still is, that's our, that's our biggest thing to the kids, you know. Just focus on getting 1% better because at the end of the day, you can't control what the other team does. You can't control what the referee does. But you can control your mindset and how you adjust the things that happen to you throughout the course of a game and throughout
2: the course of a week of practice. We're talking with North Vermilion Patriots head football coach, Brett Blakey, he joins us here in RP3 Company. His team is going to be hosting the two-seed West Feliciana in the quarterfinal round tonight. Of course, you can listen to that game. Craig Wall and Ward Corville on the call on our sister station, 106.3 Radio Lafayette. Pre-game begins at 6.45, kickoff set for 7 o'clock. Coach, let's talk about that first-round game. You have to go on the road and take down a team that is ranked 10th in the bracket. You do so 35-28. What was the difference in that ball game for your team to be able to pull out the win like that on the road?
6: Man, I think it, it was just our kids believing in themselves and, and believing in the process. You know, we actually jumped up on them 13 nothing, probably eight minutes into the game. Um, and a great job by them not panicking. And they fought back and they took a 21-13 20, to lead all the way late into the fourth quarter when I mean, things looked dire for us at one point. I mean, I think there was three minutes left and um, we were sitting on two timeouts and um, it was tough for us to stop them. And our kids just made a play, you know. We forced the turnover and then we get the game tie and touchdown and two-point conversion. There was uh, a little bit over a minute left and we forced it to overtime. And then in, in double overtime, our, our offense scored to give us the lead and then our defense held on four downs to give us the victory. And so I think it's just our kids, that that belief that they've had, man. I've I've never had a group that believes in themselves as much as this group does, that they can just get the job done. They never quit. They never got too down on themselves. And like we said, came out of there victorious. So it's a testament to to those guys and the hard work that they put in and and working together as a team.
2: It only got tougher, though, in the next round as you have to take on... The Church Point, battling Bears, a team coming off a state semifinal appearance. Always tough, especially with the offense that they run. Yet, your defense rose to the occasion yet again. You win that one 41-30. Did you feel early in that ball game that your team had a chance to pull off yet another upset, Coach?
6: Uh, I wouldn't say early because uh, they kind of jumped out on us. And it's just a, Again, one of those situations, our kids never panicked, man. Um their offense scored four touchdowns in the first half, and, I, I mean, everybody keeps asking me what the the turning point or what the big deal was in that game, and I think it was the fact that we, we shut them out on, on two-point conversions. You know, they went for two after every touchdown, and they were 0 for 5 Friday night. And so, I mean, you look at it, that's possibly 10 points, and we won by 11. So even if they get two or three of those things, it's a much different ball game. And so... Kudos to our, our defensive coordinator, Coach Bruce Ard and his guys on the defensive side of the ball. For even though giving up touchdowns, you know they never, again they never quit. Mm-hmm. They just next play mentality and those two point conversions. They stopped them each and every time, and, and it ended up being huge for us. And it, it took us a couple of drives for our offense to get going, man. But once our offense got going, it was it was fun to watch. You know, we we got down inside the five twice and didn't score so those are some things that we got to fix heading into this week but to say that and we still put up 40 points is a a true testament to our kids and and their grit and their their mental fortitude
2: coach thanksgiving week presents its own set of challenges because you don't have the structure that you typically do with school and getting the kids after school you're having to hold practices during the day and then you have obviously turkey day on Thursday to contend with, um, how are you trying to keep it normal, or how did you try to keep it normal this week heading into this playoff game?
6: Um, I've always been a big believer in routines, and um, so we've still we've tried to keep practice the same time that we normally practice during the day, um, about two thirty, three o'clock, just so those kids can have that that daily routine of still being in it. Um, now. Thanksgiving Day, obviously, we're going to practice in the morning and have a little breakfast as a team um, after practice and then send them on their way for to be with their families because that's very important on that day. But, I mean, like I said, it, it's a cool problem to have. Um, first time in school history that we've been practicing on Thanksgiving weekend. You know, for the most part, all of our kids have shown up and we really haven't had any issues with um, kids saying that they can't be there because, I mean, If you don't want to be at practice on the week of the quarterfinals and you got something wrong with you, you know. (laughs) Um, It's been really awesome, man. Our our biggest message to the kids this week is, man, just enjoy it because this is is the reward for all of the work that you've put in basically since spring football in May. It's been nonstop, you know. And as a coach, when you're you're not winning, it's it's a struggle to try and get kids to understand – what they're working for so we've been trying to get the kids this week to just really be appreciative and and grateful for, grateful for being in this spot because i mean like i said 40 years of school history it's our first time we'd like to believe that we can get back here in the future but you never know whenever it's going to be blessed and uh whenever you're going to be blessed and be able to reach this place again you know
2: Well said, brother. Well said. Coach, appreciate your time. Congratulations on making the state quarterfinals for the first time in program history. Best of luck tonight when you take on West Feliciana. Thank you so much, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. That's North Vermilion Patriots head football coach Brett Blakey joining us here on RP3 and Company. Once again, his team. Ended the regular season 4-6, and earned the 23 seed in the bracket. They've only knocked off the 10 seed in Franklin Parish, knocked off the 7 seed in Church Point. Now they'll be looking to do the same tonight against West Feliciana. Once again, pregame begins at 645, kickoff 7 o'clock. Craig Wall, Ward Corville on the call on our sister station, 106.3 Radio Lafayette. I know it's Black Friday and you're out there getting your shopping on today for the holiday weekend, but just a friendly reminder, Here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. And look, sometimes multiple lines are in one area, so you or a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or for any other reason. You run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service and to promote public safety. Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, remind you call 811 one and know what's below before you dig we got to take a time out but when we return we're going to help you out with your fantasy football lineup i know a lot of people forgot to set their lineups before yesterday's triple header of action on turkey day not to worry rp3 and company fantasy football expert zach miller is going to swing by and help you put together a lineup that can actually help you win this weekend that's coming up next right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.
1: RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for
2: a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a
1: cool $6.70. What? Oh. Oh. Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. Nineteen, hit me. Twenty, hit me. Twenty-one, hit me. Twenty-two. Oh! Now back to more RP3 and Company on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: The LSU Tigers wrap up the regular season on the road in College Station on Saturday as they take on the Texas A&M Aggies. Pre-game is going to begin at 4 o'clock with Hunt Palmer, Marlon Favreit, and Brandon Taylor. And then kickoff will be set for 6 with Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers, on the call. That's going to be LSU at Texas A&M, and you can listen to it live right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers. Triple header of NFL action occurred yesterday. And Thanksgiving is always a tricky week for fantasy football players because so many people forget to make sure their lineup is completely set up before the triple header. So a lot of times you'll have guys coming off a bye or you'll have guys coming off an injury. You forget to put them in your lineup and then it's kind of doomed to your week, your matchup, and we're getting closer and closer for the fantasy football playoffs. But not to worry, I've already discussed this with our guy, the RP three and company fantasy football expert Zach Miller, who joins us now. Zach, all right, what's the message to the folks if they forgot to set their lineup before yesterday's triple header of action, is all is all lost or can they still rally and win their matchups this weekend?
7: Yeah, well, it it depends on which end of the spectrum you are on. If you left somebody in your starting lineup who you did not intend to play and he played yesterday and had a horrible game, say uh, Jacoby Myers, yeah, there's not too much you can do about leaving somebody in your lineup who you planned on taking out. But if you're on the other side and, you know, you didn't play some guys that you (laughs) you should have or or things like that, yeah, you could still make moves. And the reason for that is this, bye weeks are done. So everybody is going to have a guy, two, maybe three guys on their team that were really just bench depth, and they rarely ever played them unless it was for bye weeks. Well, bye weeks are gone, so at this point you have you may have to suffer a couple casualties uh, and delete some of those guys and stream a couple guys to fill in who have really good matchups this week, who you know are not rostered heavily uh, throughout the leagues.
2: I- no buys but the saints still have their buy in a couple weeks right so we still have a, a couple of late season buys but the rash of teams on buy is is over with is what you're saying
7: right yeah yeah no more no more buys this week so you can uh, so you can suffer some casualties on some of your bench depth and bring in some other guys to fill those gaps
2: now yesterday you know if you were playing let's say you had Justin Jefferson in your lineup you're happy right even if you had Kirk Cousins, you're probably happy. Even if you had Mac Jones, you're probably happy. But let's say you didn't have any of those quarterbacks that played yesterday that were able to put up some points. And let's say you don't have a frontline starter at QB. Who are you putting into your lineup, maybe coming off your bench, or maybe if you're that desperate, having to go pick up somebody to insert into there for this weekend?
7: Yeah, having to stream somebody right now in the quarterback position, there's a few options out there. If you're looking for just a one-week fill-in, uh, maybe Jacoby Brissett, uh, but this is probably going to be his last week starting, uh, but he does have a good matchup, and he has you know put up some good fantasy weeks. So Jacoby Brissett, if you're just looking for a one-week rental, um, but with Watson set to come back after this week, uh, it'll just be a one-and-done for him. But also somebody like Ryan Tannehill, who's only owned in 30% of leagues, has uh, performed serviceably as well. If you need somebody who you may have to start a few times here and there, if you got a quarterback like a Kyler Murray who we still don't know he's going to play someone something along those lines.
2: Now, I have Russell Wilson in one of my leagues, and he has been hot garbage all year. But yeah. in my matchup this week, I'm taking on someone who had Dak Prescott as their starting quarterback, and he only got him 20 points. And I'm projected... I'm not for sure why to get 20 points with Russell Wilson. You know, uh, I don't have many other options because Matthew Stafford is already been, you know, ruled out because of the injury. You know, if you got someone like Russ, do you still consider him uh, even a second tier guy and a must start in your league?
7: No, no, not me personally. Not there's better options out there. Like I said, on the waiver wire, I'd rather start Kenny Pickett at this point uh, than Russell Wilson. Russell's only uh, scored over 18 points once in the last six weeks, I believe. So. I wouldn't expect – he had a wonderful matchup last week against the Raiders and still managed to score around 15 points. So, no, I wouldn't be hoping for him to uh, save the day as your quarterback. But somebody like Kenny Pickett, who has a little rushing upside, who's averaged 18 points per game uh, since their bye week, um, and the Colts have given up 21 or more points to three of the last four quarterbacks they faced. So Pickett's got a good matchup this week. I'd rather roll with him than Russell Wilson, put it that way.
2: I'll, I'm taking a note of that. <laughs> not 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 to worry. I'm making sure to to take to take a note of that. All right, we've also in addition to having the triple header of, of Turkey Day, we also have some uh, injuries to a lot of key players. So, who give me uh kind of under the radar waiver wire pickup, not quarterback, but maybe running back, wide receiver, a guy that can also be a flex uh flex uh player for you this week.
7: Sure. Uh, Somebody like Latavius Murray, uh, he just became the de facto lead running back over there. They cut Melvin Gordon. Chase Edmonds is hurt and is probably going to miss at least a couple weeks. So just on volume alone, um, he's not going to have any competition for for carries or uh, receptions out of the backfield. And he's only owned in about 50% of leagues. So Latavius Murray may be somebody you can add late in the season who uh, can come in clutch for you uh, a little further down the pecking order. Uh, You have a Samaje Pirine who may get the start this week if Mixon can't go. He's only on in 15% of leagues, and he's going to tote the load uh, there for Cincinnati if Mixon can't go.
2: And also, he also developed some good chemistry with Joe Burrow last week with that passing touchdown. So he's already in kind of – developed some rapport there with the Bengals. Let me ask you this, though, Zach. With this weekend coming up, how key is it now – to start putting together a winning streak in fantasy football. you know, we, we sit we tend to lose track of things and we get distracted by things going on. I mean, we're getting to the nitty gritty here. If you're gonna want to make a push for the playoffs, you gotta start racking up the wins starting now. Right? Yeah, abs- abs-
7: absolutely. This is this is you want your team to be peaking at this time of the season. Uh you can you can suffer a few Slow spot there where you lose a couple, you drop three in a row, things like that in the middle of the season. But at this point, you want to be clicking, and week in and week out want to be one of the teams at least towards the top of performance. So, yeah, th- this is when you really want your team to be performing at maximum.
2: Get you out of here with one more, bud. Tight end position seems to be kind of a tricky one this, this year due to some injuries. You know, Waller being out it's kind of thrown off a lot of uh, people's different teams. We know Travis Kelsey is a beast, but there's only one Travis Kelsey, right? So yeah. it, so many times when you're trying to set your lineup, when it comes to the tight end position, the guys are just so equal on projections. There's maybe a point differential for most people with their tight ends. Uh, what do you do there? What, what do you do when it comes down to that? Are you looking at the specific matchups? Are you looking at the history Are you looking at what the other team does with what they give up against tight ends? How do you break that down when it comes to making a choice for your tight end?
7: Me personally, outside of those elite guys at the tight end position, like you alluded to, all those tight ends are so touchdown dependent. You really have to find the guy who gets those red zone opportunities. Look no further than the saints. Jawan Johnson, he scored three touchdowns three weeks in a row. Uh, He scored four out of the last five weeks. So Um, somebody like him, who, you know, is getting the red zone targets because Michael Thomas is out because Jarvis salandra has been banged up. Olave is not really a big body. So, you know, Johnson, when they get near the goal line, he's somebody that they're going to look to. So all you can hope for is the opportunity, you know, and one touchdown, even though he might not have seven, eight reception games, uh, those touchdowns will give you very serviceable weeks.
2: Brother, appreciate your time. As always, thank you for the sage advice. Enjoy. Your holiday weekend, my friend. And we'll talk to you next Thursday.
7: Sounds good, brother.
2: Zach Miller. Our fantasy football. Yeah, I just realized I said Thursday. (laughs) Zach didn't catch it either. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, it'll be Friday. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm telling you. That's why I made sure to ask Zach that question is because I can't tell you how many times over the years when I'm involved in leagues – where guys will just be desperate, blowing up my phone as the commissioner of a fantasy football league and go, dude, I forgot to set up my lineup on Thanksgiving. Can you do anything? I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> the, the, the Yahoo or whatever system we're using as it already set up. I can't go in there and unlock your players that you forgot to put into the lineup. Can't do that. I don't have those capabilities. But it sneaks up on you because you get so focused on Thanksgiving and spending time with the family and getting the bird right and all that good stuff, you forget about your lineup. And so many times I've seen guys lose their matchup on Thanksgiving and it kind of derails their chances of getting into the playoffs. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, it'll be time for the Big Easy Blitz. TJ Jones from the State of the Saints podcast will join us to help us preview Saints 49ers. That's coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Buden is ready for Saints talk. They give the Camara, breaks through, spins
3: at the two into the end zone, touchdown.
1: Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company.
2: T.J. Jones from the State of the Saints podcast joins us now here on RP3 and Company for the Big Easy Blitz. T.J., hope you and your family had a great Thanksgiving, brother. Good morning.
5: Good morning to you, Ray. Uh, We had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, My afternoon uh, consists of uh, putting up these Christmas decorations. (laughs) My wife wants this uh, Mr. Grinch theme, so I'm all on the roof. I'm all on the ground, but we got it done, man. But uh, uh, to you and yours, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving as well.
2: Now, see that's, see, that's what I want to hear, TJ. That's what I want to hear. Someone who says, you know what? I decorate for Christmas once Turkey Day comes. Yeah. Have the bird, enjoy some football, and then you can put up the decorations. There's some Absolutely. people, some people, they're just maniacs, TJ. They're out there decorating for Christmas two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Sounds like my neighbors across the street.
2: <laughs> now, 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 look, it's different. If it was two weeks ago, that's one thing. But if you just left right. your Christmas decorations up all year round, that's a whole other uh, conversation to be had Yeah, for another, for another day. <laughs> right. All right, but uh, look, got the win on Sunday against a, a depleted Rams team, but still it's a win, mm-hmm. right? Right. So that's the positives. The negative is now they have to go on the road and take on a San Francisco 49ers team, which, man, it appears to me that they are ascending and appears to me that they – when it's all said and done, maybe the best team in the NFC, what's just the immense challenge facing Dennis Allen and his team on Sunday?
5: I mean, you look at the 49ers and their game uh, against the Arizona Cardinals on Monday, and and you're watching that as a Saints fan. you got to be scared to death. But, I mean, when you look at uh, the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, they're loaded. I mean, Chris McCaffrey's coming in uh, via trade, uh, has been a guy send. And then you had a lot of guys who were injured early in the season they're starting to get back. And we've seen this last year with the San Francisco 49ers. You yep. know, they 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 started off a little bit slow. And then, you know, towards the end of the season, uh, they they got got all the way to the NFC championship game. So the San Francisco 49ers are a physical football team. And the Saints, they better be ready. Um, we, we know what the 49ers want to do. We know what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. He wants to run the football and impose his will. And I don't see them uh, shying away from that game plan going up against a Saints team that's pretty much depleted on defense and and uh, also in also in years past we've seen that the Saints run defense has been hard to run um you know hard to, for teams to run against but as we can see they've been susceptible to the run so this is a recipe for disaster uh for uh the New Orleans Saints defense going up against a physical 49ers team
2: it's a physical 49ers team. It's also a healthy team, as you alluded to. Bosa is back in the fold. They got Elijah Mitchell back there, the former Raging Cajun star in the mm-hmm. backfield. He's actually getting just as many touches and carries as Christian McCaffrey is. Right. They got Debo Samuel. They got Kittle. I mean, they they got some dogs. And Jimmy yep. G is once again. They try to keep getting rid of this guy, but he just sticks around and keeps winning games for them, which is kind of funny in its own right.
5: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, look, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is a guy that can be kind of up and down, but when he's on, he's on, you know, and the, the teammates uh, love him. Uh, you know, they, they want to <laughs> see him succeed. I don't see him coming back to the 49ers, but, you know, if you want to go down, you better go down swinging. And, you know, they, they have a team that can make it to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I know a lot of people don't really care that much for Jimmy G. They say he erratic, but when it when it comes down to not you know making plays and and limiting mistakes uh he does that and his team uh ends up being in big games in the process
2: they got the power run game we know Kyle Shanahan likes to to run the football and we know the Saints forte on defense as you said has been stopping the run except for yep. this year right they yep. they have struggled they're not as consistent stopping the run from week to week they're not as consistent week to week period as a football team Right. Do you like their chances of kind of getting their act together and being able to stop or at least slow down the 49ers and what they're wanting to do with the run game?
5: Look, if the Saints are motivated, uh, I, th- I think that they can. You know, the Saints, um, we, we all know what they are. You know, I mean, I, if you're a Saints fan, you're thinking that this team is just about to turn it on. I mean, we, we've had 11 games to see what this team is. But if they go out there and they have pride, I can see them uh, making stops when necessary. You know, I don't expect for this game to be like one of those uh, steamrolling games. I expect for the Saints to play with some pride. I think last week kind of showed us because, you know, that could have been an easy game where the Saints can kind of just phone it in. But it seems like they they want to uh, continue to play uh, their prideful team, and I expect for them to go out there and, and do the best they can. But even like some of the best defenses in the league, it's hard for – them to stop the San Francisco 49ers. So I don't expect for them to completely neutralize them, but I expect for them to do what they can in spots in order to make the game competitive.
2: So you believe this game is going to be competitive. You have a little bit more faith than I do. I just
5: (laughs) –
2: and and the reason why I say that is this team has not proven that it can win back-to-back games. It hasn't done it yet. He wins the yeah. opener against the Dirty Birds when it comes back and has that sensational fourth quarter, and then loses three straight, and then wins against Seattle, and then loses two straight, and then wins against Vegas, and then loses two straight. Well, they won on Sunday, so that means they're due for another loss, just by <laughs> the, the way they have played. TJ, I'm not trying to be negative; I'm just being honest.
5: No, uh, fair w- enough. That, w- that's what a do you fair think? Assessment. You know, I, why do you I, think I that didn't is? Say- why, why, I didn't why say do you they were going to win the game. I, I just say they're going to be competitive. <laughs> look, I, I, <laughs> I look at it this way, right? Look, I look at the San Francisco 49ers, uh, even though I think Kyle Shanahan have these guys prepared, it's kind of hard for you not to look at a team's record and look at who they don't have on their sidelines and, and let that not go into your psyche. So, I, And also you have to think about the short week that they're coming off of. You know, So I, I just look at all those elements right there. And, you know, I think that the Saints are looking at the 49ers as, a you know, a team where, you know, they can be considered a measuring stick. So I don't expect for them to give up, you know, just get, completely just get steamrolled. I expect for them not to be successful in this game, but I, I just think that they might be motivated to play, uh, you know, the game as best as they possibly can. But I, I don't see a victory, but I see uh, I see some motivation.
2: <laughs> I like that. I like I like that clarification that you just did. TJ Jones, he's the host of the State of the Saints podcast. He joins us here for the Big Easy Blitz. I want to talk about the Jameis Winston situation because mm-hmm. you know they they had some clarification from his agent, right, about the comments right. that he announced to the media about you know it's not policy to lose your job. And look, I, I got nothing but love for Jameis, but guys get injured and lose their jobs all the time in the NFL. It's been a, a tried and true tradition.
5: Right.
2: But when he gave the clarification, it put it more on Dennis Allen had a conversation with him that he wouldn't have lost the job right
5: mm-hmm.
2: <sighs> yeah how do you assess how DA even if you agree that Andy Dalton should be the starting quarterback and we could have that discussion how do you view how he's handled that whole entire situation where he allowed his quarterback with four broken vertebrae in his back to play and to play injured only to then say he well, he's not healthy enough to play again later when he's actually healthier than he was before. Uh, how do you view how DAs handled that entire situation?
5: Well, I think that uh, Dennis Allen uh, handled that situation uh, terribly, you know, to be honest, and not just the James Winston situation, but injuries in general. like we, we've seen earlier in the season, we seen Michael Thomas go out with a foot injury, wasn't put on IR. Uh, we seen uh, Marshawn Lattimore uh, go down with a rib injury against Seattle. wasn't put on IR. I mean, it's just the handling of the the injury report and how they're handling uh, certain guys when they when they have these injuries. And then uh, when you look at the Jameis Winston uh, situation, you know it just makes it look even worse. You know, it, it seemed like you know Dennis Allen just told Jameis Winston, uh, you know, get yourself healthy in order for him to do what he wanted to do in the first place, and that is put Andy Dalton on the field now what you said at the beginning talking about this whole policy thing look uh James has to put his big boy pants on and understand that this is a business it's a production league like so many guys going to the season expecting to be the starter and things happen and then somebody else come in and give the uh, saints i mean the saints or another team some juice and they end up going with those guys i mean look at drew bledsoe back in the day being replaced by tom brady or uh more recently, you know, Dak Prescott replacing Tony Romo when he went out with a back injury. Look, that whole policy thing, you know, I guess that's like a time out of tradition or something. But, look, when your job is on the line, and D.A., we, we all know that the way he's been coaching this season, his job is on the line. You got to go out there and you got to be productive. And Andy Dalton has given the Saints production, you know, regardless if you like him or not. When he got thrust into the lineup, the offense improved. And that's something that Jameis has to understand. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, he's not going to see the field because of it. But that's just the way that things go. It's a business.
2: It is a business. You really think D.A. is battling for his job, even though Gail Benson and her late husband, Tom, and Mickey Loomis, they've never fired a coach after one year. You really think his job is on the line?
5: Yeah, I think it is. You know, look, here's the thing. When you have a successful coach like Sean Payton for 15 years has made a team relevant. You know, like we we know what the Saints were before he got here. You know, they, they were not a team that was a household name. And I often say, you know, uh, Hope and Faith were just the name of two, pe- two people that you knew. Two, <laughs> you know, like it was very rough times as a Saints fan until Sean Payton got there. And those are the shoes that he's trying to fill. You know, and, and when you're not being productive and, and you're handling injuries a certain way and, and, and you know, you're being out coached in certain games, like, you know, fans are looking at that. And like I said, this is a production business. When those, you know, when Gail Benson and the Saints Trust are looking around uh, the season superdome and they seeing empty seats, you know, that's not a that's not a good sign. So they, they want to make sure that this team is productive. And I think they like D.A., but you know, if you're not giving the, the team what it needs and you're not giving a fan base what they want, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a strong possibility that he can be a one-and-done coach.
2: That would be su- surprising. Uh, I do think if they can win a couple of games, if they can get to maybe, what, six or seven games, he's probably mm-hmm. safe. Is that what you think? Yeah.
5: Yeah, well, I think, I think this. Like, last week, it showed us a lot as Saints fans and, and you know, watchers of the team, right? Because it, they could have easily went out and just phoned it in because we've been saying, you know, Cancun on three, but they went out there, they battled tough against a Rams team and they got the win. They responded to them. I think when you start looking at, you know, the situation like I in Carolina, when Matt Rule got fired, right? They, they got steamrolled by the 49ers. It, they just wasn't interested and the writing was on the wall so I think as long as this team continues to respond to Dennis Allen, they're, they're not toning him out, uh, then I think that he has a strong possibility of coming back. Uh, I am not a – look, I am not a supporter of Dennis Allen. I don't think he's the answer, but you have to admit, like if this team is still responding to the message, uh, he he might stay on uh, for 2023.
2: Well, we'll see if Tyron Matthew actually hears the message or wants to play. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> – uh, the Honey Badger has been just – he can collecting that check this season. No one, <laughs> no one's collecting a nicer check for doing yeah. uh, not all that much more than the Honey Badger is. TJ, appreciate your time. Hey, man, before I let you go, uh, tell the folks how they can follow you on social media and where they can go to get the State of the Saints podcast, bud.
5: Uh, well, you, you can follow me on Twitter at TJAYJones8. And also you can check out the State of the Saints podcast. It's available on YouTube. All you have to do is search the State of the Saints podcast and also available on all streaming networks like Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, and also uh, we're also on Anchor FM. So uh, thank you. Uh, check check it out. And uh, we're, we're a very interactive podcast, and we talk Saints football.
2: Brother, appreciate your time, as always. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, man. Enjoy the weekend, brother.
5: Yeah, you too. Now, not, don't be going out there, you know, throwing elbows for those TVs. I know those deals are really good, but uh, – Make sure you are throwing elbows for these Black Friday deals. (laughs) Uh, Talk to you later, TJ. All right, take care, man.
2: That's good advice, TJ says. Don't be throwing elbows when you go to the store. We talked about it earlier on today's show. Don't be the guy on the surveillance video that's doing things that you embarrass your family. Okay, Eh, don't don't do that. Don't do that. Hey, you know what you can do? You don't even have to go out to take advantage of some great deals. Because we got another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. You heard me tell you about Mudcat Whiskers, right? You can get that $30 voucher for only $15. You can still do that at AcadianaDeals.com. But starting at 10 o'clock this morning, we got an even better one. Remember when you are a kid, you get the gourmet popcorn tin. It had the cheese popcorn, the caramel popcorn, the regular butter popcorn. Oh, man, love getting that during the holidays. Well, you can get that 2 For one deal. Here it is, katianadeals.com. You can get $40 in vouchers to buy you pop gourmet popcorn for only, wait for it, $20. That's right, $40 in vouchers to gourmet popcorn that has over 40 flavors. You can get it at half the price. Once again, visit katianadeals.com today, starting at 10 o'clock. That's when the deal goes live to get $40 in vouchers for Bayou Pop Gourmet Popcorn for only twenty dollars. We gotta take a timeout. We'll wrap up today's show, finalize that poll question, and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all next right here on the Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Just a reminder: quarterfinal playoff action. Can be heard right here on the game and on our sister stations here at Delta Media. STM is going to be taking on Madison Prep. Pre-game will begin at 6.30, kickoff 7 o'clock right here on the game. Karen Crow High on the road, taking on Warren Easton in New Orleans. Pre-game 6.45, kickoff 7 on Z105.9. Southside High, first quarterfinal appearance in program history. They're welcoming in Zachary. That can be heard on Mustang 107.1, pre-game 6.45. Kickoff seven. The Vermilion Parish game of the week. You heard us talk about it earlier with Brett Blakey, the head football coach of North Vermilion. They're welcoming in the two seed West Feliciana. Pre game 645, kickoff seven on 1063 Radio Lafayette. And finally, the St. Landry Parish game of the week on News Talk 98.5 FM, 1520 AM. Opelousas Catholic trying to get to the semifinals for the first time since 2005. They're going to be taking on Ascension Catholic down in Donsonville. Yours truly and Chad Jones will be on the call. Pre-game 645, kickoff 7 o'clock. Delta Media's got you covered for exciting high school football playoff action. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, John Schneider, the actor, country music star, filmmaker, Brett Blakey, North Vermillion high school football coach, Zach Miller, our fantasy football expert, and of course, TJ Jones from the State of the Saints podcast for joining us here on this Black Friday edition of the show. Our poll question of the day, which marquee college football game are you watching this Saturday? Overwhelmingly, it's the one that I'm making sure to watch as well. Michigan at Ohio State. 49% of you vote for the game as the marquee game of the weekend. 33% of you say all of them. 18% say Notre Dame at USC. JPK, the OD, says all of them, but a special shout out to Iowa State upsetting TCU. Ha! Hart says, for me, it's definitely Notre Dame at USC, just for the simple facts of USC fans have been complaining that they deserve to be number five over LSU all week because they beat UC late last weekend. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day and commented. We much, very much appreciate you. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. For the producer extraordinaire, Ms. Hannah, five names. I'm Raymond Parts III. We'll do it all again on Monday, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston.